Welcome to Story Life, short stories brought to you by Mark Aluzai. Season 1, Good Morning. Episode 2, The Light at the End of the Tunnel, written and read by Mark Aluzai. Around the same time their children had flown the nest, Truman found an emptiness had arrived inside of him, which he could not shake. It was a strange phrase, that, about nests, and made no sense to him. Rats lived in nests, canaries lived in cages, and they stayed in cages. Truman tried to focus on the mushrooms and the soil in his hands. But days at the mushroom farm were long, with too much time to think. It was the largest of all the caverns and Truman knew that he should have been grateful for having so much space. The surface must somehow be like this, he thought, but much bigger. He was not as grateful as he should have been for his place working with the mushrooms. A feeling gnawed at him from deep inside, from a place he could not identify. There must be more to life than mushrooms. There must be. He spoke to his wife, Mary, about the feeling. She said she was feeling unsettled too, now all the children had left home. Truman knew that for him, it was more than that. A troubled month passed, more time to think. Desperation, in the end, led him to the elders. The twelve elders were sat in three-quarters of a circle, filling the meeting chamber. Truman trembled slightly as he faced them. It had been years since he'd last been here. That was when he had asked the elders for permission to court Mary. Now they stared at him with frowns and raised eyebrows. Truman explained he wanted a change. He wasn't sure what, maybe a different job, or or something. There were glances and nods. It was almost as though the elders knew a secret language, made only of gestures. Hmm, said the eldest of the elders. We thought this was why you had come. Do not be afraid. What you are feeling happens to some of us. It is a rite of passage. What do you mean? Truman asked. It will not be enough for us to give you a new job. That will not stop the feeling you describe. No. Instead, before you lies a journey. A quest to find that which you are searching for. There is a way, if you walk it, but it holds the answers you seek. You will need a canary and as much food and water as you can carry. It was a strange pause, and the air felt thick. You must go to the end of the forsaken tunnel and find what is there. You must go, and if you are strong and true of heart, you may find your way back to us. Truman could hardly speak. What? he said, the confusion coalescing around him. 
You must journey through the forsaken tunnel. Truman's voice caught in his throat. Fear bubbled up in his stomach. But, but... It is the will of the elders. It has been decided. Now go. And that was it. Truman turned and stumbled from the chamber. The elders had spoken. Mary fainted when he told her. When she came to, she cried and cried. But it was the will of the elders, and it had been decided. He should never have gone to them, she said. Maybe she was right. But alas, it was too late. The next day, Truman loaded up his backpack with all the food and water he could cram inside. He took one of the canaries in a tiny carry cage, and he prepared his electric lamp. He hugged Mary tightly, perhaps for the last time. He didn't know what to say. He just told her he loved her, shouldered his pack, grabbed the canarian lamp, and began walking. The fear started to build as he neared the forsaken tunnel. He'd been afraid of it since he was a boy. Everyone was afraid of it. Truman walked slowly down the final passage and round the bend which opened to become the entrance to the forsaken tunnel. It was wider and darker than he remembered from his childhood. As boys, they'd dared each other to run round the corner and look at it. Now, he was walking right into the mouth of the beast. Looking into the impenetrable blackness didn't help. Truman closed his eyes and inched forwards. To avoid imagining, he counted his steps. Nine, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty. At thirty, he could hold it no longer. Opening his eyes, he realised he was past the threshold. It was not what he had expected. This was no pit of hell. Instead, the walls and ceiling opened wide into a vast cavern, large enough to dwarf even the mushroom farm. The ceiling was too far away for the light of the torch to reach. As he moved forwards, the walls too fell away until only a small pool of light surrounded him. Everything else was pitch blackness. A strange an irrational desire took hold of Truman then. An idea so insane, he found himself suddenly still, wrestling with it. He wanted to turn off his lamp. Madness. There wouldn't be anything to see. Silliness. There are good reasons people are afraid of the dark. Foolishness. His hand flicked the switch and all was black. For a moment, he wanted to scream, but he held his breath, stayed completely still. The floor didn't open up beneath him. Nothing came out of the darkness to rip him apart. There was just silence and stillness.
darkness. He breathed it in. He drank it up. The elders had been right. There was something out here. After a while, he turned the lamp back on and continued in a straight line across the vast chamber. It could have been minutes or hours. There was no point of reference. Only the echoes of his own footsteps. Eventually, the cavern narrowed and became a tunnel once again. On he went. The first night, Truman ate bread and mushrooms before rolling his bed out and falling asleep in the empty passage. The second day, he carried on along the same tunnel through the underland for what seemed like miles. On the third day, he stepped into the cold water of a small stream that crossed his path. He refilled his water. Only half his food was left and still the tunnel advanced with no sign of an end. On the fifth day, he came across a strange phosphorescent lichen that covered the floor in a green glow. He walked on the light in awe, afraid each step might break it. Despite longing to stay in its soft luminescence, he pushed onwards. His food was running low. He had to make it to the end of the tunnel. He had to be strong and true of heart. At lunch on the eighth day, he ate the last of his food. That same evening, he came to another cavern, not so large as the first, but with hundreds of tiny specks of light on the rocks above, reaching out from the darkness. He lay there, trying to sleep, listening to the sound of his stomach rumbling, eyes feasting on the glimmering sight, which was like nothing he had ever seen. Inside his chest, he felt a curiosity pushing to get out, and a gentle peace weighing him down. The elders had been right. He had needed this journey. On the eleventh day, Truman heard a sound from ahead. As he approached, a whole room opened up before him, full of stalactites, stalagmites, and columns gleaming with water in the lamplight. Drip, drip, drip. The path wove its way through the maze of bizarre pillars until it reached not one tunnel entrance, but two. Side by side, almost identical, one left, one right. The elders hadn't said anything about this. Fear squeezed tight around his gut. He didn't know what to do. He stood there staring, trapped by his own skin. Paralysed. At some point, Truman came back to himself and blinked, shining the light down one passage, then the other revealed nothing significant. He would have to choose. That night, Truman and the canary slept on the floor 
beside the two tunnels. In the morning of the twelfth day, there was still no food. Truman decided to go down both tunnels. First he'd walk down the one on the right for a little less than a kilometre, then back and down the one on the left. The right-hand tunnel seemed to be just the same as where he had come from. It was almost straight and had no distinguishing features. The left-hand tunnel was similar, except Truman had the feeling it was taking him. It couldn't be. He stopped. Putting the lamp on the floor, he continued on, heading forward through the darkness. With his hands feeling along the wall, he made his way a couple of hundred metres further along the left-hand tunnel. He was about to turn around, when in the distance ahead, he thought he could see a shade of grey in the blackness. He stopped immediately, with his heart hammering in his chest. Turning round, he saw he'd been right. The lamp was lower down. The tunnel was gradually heading upwards, towards the surface, towards death itself. Behind him, that shadow of grey was light. He ran, grabbing the lamp without slowing. His footfalls echoed behind him, but he didn't look back. Who could have made such a tunnel? The first law was clear. Never dig a tunnel upwards. Everyone knew that. Up was death. Truman shuddered involuntarily. In the cavern of stalactites, he took the right-hand path, remaining safe in the underland. Day 13 was just straight walking. Day 14, Truman was starting to feel exhaustion catching up with him. Day 15, he came across the skeleton of a woman laid on the passage floor. He decided to throw everything out of his pack he could live without. The canary set free and it flew back down the passage out of sight. If there was gas, at least, it would kill him quickly. No, he would not let himself think negative thoughts. Negativity led to despair. He cut off the pockets and straps he didn't need and left the knife on the floor beside the bones. He had to make it to the end of the tunnel. He had to be strong and true of heart. He had to find what the elders had promised him. Day 16, the water ran out. Two more skeletons. He stepped over them and kept going. Exhaustion dogged his heels. He pushed on. That afternoon, a small pool saved his life. He sat beside it, drinking the refreshing water through dry lips. He soon forced himself back to his feet. Day 17. Three more ancient corpses. Then another. Then ten. No, fifteen. Twenty. Thirty. The bodies lined the walls on both sides. Most were sat, clothes disintegrating. A few still with locks of hair stuck to their skulls. Truman carefully stepped over their legs. That's when he saw it. The dead end.
solid, unyielding granite. The face of the stone. It was just there, abruptly marking the end of the tunnel, journey's end. Slowly, timidly, Truman walked up to it. Reaching out, he touched the rough, dry rock with his fingertips. Instinct kicked in, and putting both hands on the rock, he pushed. He leaned in with his whole body as though Will alone could break the stone or open a doorway to another realm. He screamed then. Rage tore through him and he raved at the cold, unyielding stone. His shouts echoed down the path behind him. He was strong and true of heart. He had found what the elders had promised him. Gasping for breath, he twisted carefully round and surveyed his companions. Had they been given the same promise? By Truman's feet, resting open in the palms of what had once been a man, was a leather-bound book. The man was gone, forgotten, in this forsaken tunnel. Truman picked up the book. It was a diary. The words distorted by dried watermarks. He began to read the final entry. There's nothing here. The elders lied. They lied to us all. I'm going to die alone in the dark. Why? Why did they lie? I could have taken the other tunnel, seen the surface, seen the cursed sun that blinds just once before I died. Instead, I lie with my brothers and sisters. We are just as cursed here in this eternal darkness. Truman returned the book. He stared a while at the cold, dead end, then back down the tunnel at the way he had come. His body could not take him all the way back, not without food. One choice remained. Die here with the others who had chosen this path, or die alone, trying to make it to the surface. The years he had worked back-bent hour on hour at the mushroom farm had not prepared him for this. His children were going to be fatherless. Mary would believe he had not been strong and true of heart. Truman remembered the hope he'd brought with him into this forsaken tunnel. He remembered the faces of the elders when they sent him here to find his answers. Rage returned with a fury, and it burnt brightly enough to push back the despair. Leaning down, Truman picked up the diary and the pencil beside it. Stepping over the bones of the betrayed, he headed back the way they had all come. As he walked, he wrote a message in the diary. This way is a dead end, a tomb 
filled with your fallen kin. The elders betrayed us. Your only chance is the surface. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the story and want to support future episodes, please go to patreon.com forward slash story life podcast and join the community. Thanks. See you next time.